0: today on growth mindset university
1: so rapport is part of that process of influence and persuasion i go back to, to where the word influence comes from in flow it means to almost be in the river with, to be in the stream
0: you're listening to growth mindset university educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school, but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. My guests today,
2: guests with an S are Chase Hughes and Mark Bowden. Chase and Mark are two people that I've been looking up to in the space of human behavior and communication for quite a a long time now. They've both been previous guests on the podcast in uh, 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 Mark in uh, in the 80s, I think maybe episode 83, I'm not exactly sure. And then Chase, episode 64, from when we still recorded on zoom so it sounds like we were uh, recording underwater there but we're on Squadcast now so the audio quality is really good and we just spent 35 minutes uh, with technical difficulties making sure everything <laughs> was working all right because it wasn't and uh, but they're here now and uh, this is my favorite thing to learn about human behavior and these are some of my favorite people to learn from in this space so chase hughes mark bowden welcome to our panel discussion today Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Us, of Thanks course, for having me, Jordan, of course. So, I'll I'll start with our first question here. Uh, what is like you know as far as reading behavior, Chase? What is the actual process of learning that? How how do we even begin? And uh, why? And why is it important too? Well, I think it's important
3: because uh, human behavior is probably. 17 million years old, and language is maybe a couple hundred grand. So the fundamental part of every human brain is wired for behavior. It's one of the reasons that we are born with facial expressions. We're born with nonverbal communication. It's the reason that we see a kid say the F-bomb in front of their parents for the first time. They they instinctively kind of reach up and cover their mouth. No one taught. No one teaches us that stuff. We're born with it. And I think the process of learning it is a lot like learning to to ride a motorcycle. There's a whole lot of moving parts you've got to manage at the beginning, but it's best to to master one
2: thing at a time. Absolutely. And uh, Mark, what would you say is the actual process of learning human behavior? Would you say much the same thing, or a little bit, or do you have something to add?
1: Yeah, well, I I would say, you know, Chase's point there, we, we don't really learn <clears throat> human behavior. It, we already have it. Like it's something we've already got. And so, so what I kind of think about it is, how could we learn to understand it better? So I think we can learn to understand it better. Can we learn it better? No, it develops enough. So just as Chase was saying, you know, kid doesn't learn to smile kid smiles or doesn't smile. If they don't smile, there's a real problem either either with them or their environment. So uh, I think it's so interesting to learn how to understand other human beings better simply because we work in groups. And if we can't work in a group, then we can't build big structures. Whatever you might think a big structure is, that needs lots of people all doing the same thing at the same time, or working to a plan at the same time. The better you can plan together and work together, the more advantage you're going to have uh, as a as an individual within a group, or as in a group within groups. Right, it's essential. So,
2: to so reading behavior and and, commu- and and communicating effectively like this is a this is a must have skill.
1: not not, not really you can get away without it i mean it's just you won't it's just you won't have an advantage i mean i think right sure if you take like
3: it's not a it's not a must-have at all but it's the number one thing that every top salesman has in common that they have the ability to either a do this naturally or b they've spent time getting really good at it
2: Mm, mm -hmm. so like let's talk about uh well well, first off actually i mean i can recommend as learning resources on this um Going to be, I'm holding up these two books right here for people who can't see. Winning Body Language by Mark Bowden, and then The Ellipsis Manual: Analysis and Engineering of Human Behavior by Chase Hughes. Two really great books of which I have a lot of highlights in, and uh, I can recommend these as great learning resources uh, as far as reading behavior and and effective communication, and so much more that I can't even like begin to describe hundreds of pages of here of information so get these two books by uh and then and then mark actually has a more recent book uh, truth and lies right i actually see it, you know, see it in the background <laughs> so let, let's let's talk about like detecting deception like what is what are a couple of cool tricks here as far as detecting deception Who, whoever wants to go first on this one
3: Mark, I took the lead last time. Why don't you? All right, great. Hit it up.
1: So, um, so here's what I would I would think about. Uh, for, for for a start, there there is no one single indicator that we can see that will tell you if somebody's being deceptive or not. So let's you know, from my point of view, let's discount. Oh, you know. Check out this signal or this signal or this signal. Yeah, you could get a cluster and you could get a cluster within a certain context and that might get get you closer to knowing the truth of are they being deceptive or not. If I were called upon to go, hey, Mark, can you come and check this out and see whether this person is being deceptive? Here's what I'd be doing. Actually, I wouldn't be watching anything. That's that's going on. I'd shut down the simply because I know if they're doing it on purpose and and it's a high-risk Situation they might be quite good at being deceptive So they might be able to control a lot of their non their body language and so taking that into consideration I'm just gonna listen to the sound Mm. and Here's what I'm gonna listen out for anything that I go God, that's a bit odd. Why are they saying it like that? Why they? Why is their voice changed right now? Why is that so different from the tonality or the the timbre or the musicality of their voice beforehand? Because here's what I know: they'll have a lot more trouble controlling their vocal cords and and some of the subtle noises that those make. Now, will that change mean they're being deceptive? I have no idea. I don't know. But all I'm going to do is go. Well, that's kind of notable. I think we should investigate that element more. We should interrogate that moment. That's the way I I'd, I'd go about it. Could I fail? Yeah. Could I Could I succeed? Yeah. Could succeed. Yeah. Actually, one of the things that I've
2: been uh, uh, what's been interesting to me, uh, an interesting phenomenon to me, the last month or two is like listening to listening to the TV without actually like watching it and a lot of times I can't even tell you a specific example but sometimes I'm like oh that person's full of shit <laughs> and look they might they might not be but uh I'm like really paying attention to uh the vocal tonalities and and just like literally everything with, with the voice so uh, I am on I'm on board with you there Mark Chase
3: Yeah I think I very much agree with Mark I would do it differently though uh, but I agree that uh The people who are really good at lying uh, tend to make mistakes on a verbal level and not a nonverbal level. And that if you're ever trying to look for the body language indicators or the nonverbal indicators of deception, the stakes have to be high. So, Jordan, if I handed you a picture of a duck and I said, I want you to convince Mark that you're looking at a horse. (laughs) uh, I mean, you you won't really... Show a lot of deception indicators because you don't give a shit. Yeah, there's no big deal. Uh-huh. But if, if I say if if you don't do this, you got to pay me ten grand.
2: Right, right, right. Or
3: if I raise the stakes even more, if I put a gun to your head and I say, convince him, or I'm going to blow your head off. <laughs> so the stakes go up. It's the same situation. I increase the stakes. I increase those behaviors, but specifically on a verbal level, uh, there's so many. Uh, signals there and this is like my behavioral table of elements has that entire verbal level across the bottom there's the first one there on the bottom left and the gray box is hesitancy yes. so this i mean just for an example hesitancy takes place in two forms either one the person has an unusual pause before they make a statement
2: and unusual to ensure that it's going to go they
3: play it out in their head to make sure it's going to go well sure you bet and unusual just means unusual for that person And the second way we express hesitancy or we mark someone down for that score is a direct repetition of the question. So we say, what did you guys do Saturday night? And they say, what do we do Saturday night? And then they answer. And a partial repetition is not hesitancy. So we say, what did you guys do Saturday night? And the person says, Saturday night. And then they answer the question. With
2: a rising vocal pitch too. Well, it's a rising pitch because they're asking a question for clarification. Right, right, right. What about um, what about also uh, the? I actually talked about this about you and your book in the Behavioral Table of Elements on on Hollis podcast. Uh, I think it was last week. Uh, as far as like the speed of of your voice, what can you tell us about the speed? In Increased deception? speed, according to Chase Hughes,
3: anyway, and a bunch of research is a deception indicator. But one thing about speed is that fast movements, whether we're talking about how fast you blink your eyes, not how often, but how quickly they close and open, which is shutter speed, or how fast we move our bodies when we speak, all speed, I mean, this is a general rule, but I think it's pretty accurate. Anything fast in a human is probably an indication of fear. And we think like if we look at a a really scared animal like a chihuahua uh, versus a Rottweiler and just look at their eyelids and how fast they blink. So the fear tends to make us move quicker to be ready for an adversary. We blink faster to minimize the time that we are uh, potentially not seeing a, a predator approaching us. And I think that our bodies, the more fear we experience, the faster
1: we move. And also, the faster we speak, mm, so so uh, speed is is using up a lot of energy, using up a huge amount. Abet- so I'm quite fast. You can, and actually, I'm quite animated when I'm speaking right now. But that's really to give you the impression that this is really exciting for me, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and and you know to get people excited by the by the content. I can slow it right down and and have less energy in my body and still get across the same content for you, but you won't be so (laughs) engaged in it. So I think to to Chase's point, I think what's interesting about that is that uh, a lot of energy goes into moving fast, speaking fast. Well, why would the human body start using a lot of energy? It's because there's an important outcome out of this. And so that's really interesting to see because I would say the human body on the whole is trying to do the least possible to just stay alive. It's what we call homeostasis. Stasis, it's trying to stand still. Essentially, we're all just trying to stand still. If we're alive, we're going, great, we've made it. Do nothing. This is going absolutely great. So the moment somebody starts working hard at something, then you've got to go, so what's up here? What's going on? Why are they working so hard at, Absolutely. Uh, at this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? They're trying too hard. They're trying they, hard. Well, they're certainly trying. So is it too hard? Like what is the stake? Yeah. Because we often I don't know whether it's happened for you, but you often get into conversations with people and it and it feels like they're working really hard at it. And you're going, what's going on here? Why are they working so hard at this? What's up? Why are they seeing this this as more valuable? than than I see this. And of course, as Chase says there, it's totally contextual. Um, And most of the time people ask me about, about deception. They're, they're talking about a world where it doesn't really matter if somebody's lying to you. I mean, it, just, it doesn't matter. And most of the time I go, what does it matter if they're lying to you? Lying's one of our most important social skills anyway. If you can't lie, you can't get on with other people. You have to be able to tell the truth as well. And you've got to know when to do one and when to do the other. If you can't there's do even, both of those, you're in trouble. There's the- even studies that show that the most popular kids in high school are
3: also the best at deception. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's a there's a triangle that I teach to uh, the military when we teach these guys that are deploying uh, overseas. It's a CCS triangle. So we have context, clusters, and stakes, and we kind of view through that window. Like those are the three things we're kind of looking at. Where Mark is saying, like, wonder why this is happening, and that's one of the rare things that you see someone who calls himself a body language expert. Uh, you'll see so many people that say that they're body language experts pronouncing exactly what people are thinking, exactly what people are feeling. They'll see a lip twitch and they'll be like, oh, the guy's full of shit right away, you know, just from one little facial movement. And nah. Mark and I, I agree completely with Mark that sometimes I don't know is the most accurate and most scientific answer that that you can give. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, so I, I mean, you, you took the… I mean my next question was like can you ever tell, you know, with all of that that we've just been talking about, can you ever tell for sure when someone is lying? And uh
1: and it sounds like no. Well, yeah, you can get it right kind of by accident. You know, you can go through a process and get closer to the truth and and hit the truth dead on. But can you do it like like that by accident probably? I mean, and and what it, and 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 how do you know? You've got it. How do you know you've got it right? And what will you gamble on that? What will you gam? You're going to stake your life on it. You're going to stake. Well, some people have to. I mean, some people have to. So, so they need that level of a surety. And if they got it wrong, it may not matter that much, but it may matter that they defaulted to a negative it may matter that they go you know what i'm going to make this person a liar and start a whole bunch of processes that protect me around that because if they turn out to be a liar, I was protected If it turns out they were telling the truth i'm I'm, I'm okay so it's a it, it, you have to default to some negatives yeah often For, you know so, tr- so true but
3: when when you were asking that question, Jordan, some of that depends not just on your ability to read, like, oh, I'm going to hear what he's saying, I'm going to look at his body, I'm going to do all this stuff. It depends on the way that you ask questions and how skilled you are at asking the right questions. Like one of the really cool techniques I teach is is or one of the indicators of deception on the behavioral table is chronology. Yeah. Where like if I if you get into a car accident or there was a shooting. And I'm questioning someone that was a, that was a, a witness in a shooting, and I say, "Hey, tell me what happened." They say, "Well, the shooting started. I grabbed my wife. I pulled her under the table, and we just kind of hunkered down." They're going to start with that emotional event, but when someone's got a rehearsed lie, and we know that it's kind of chronological, we're kind of following along those steps, and we're li- we're hearing them tell this thing chronologically when we didn't ask them to. That's, that's the key. Well, we didn't say, walk me from the beginning to the end. Oh, And then think about this. How many times have you said the alphabet? 20, 50,000? Who knows? Sure, yeah. But we have a tremendous difficulty saying it backwards. So if I say, oh, that sounds like, great, walk me from the end of that back to the beginning. Truthful events we can recall in reverse. So that's just one one example of those questioning techniques where I teach, like, there's 61 questioning techniques. That's just one of those that you can just kind of layer into a conversation that makes the person exposed that they're being deceptive.
1: Yeah. So I, I would look out as well for often the the framework, the window dressing that people put around their story as well. And let me give you one specific that you'll be able to go and watch, which is if you watch the, uh, the BBC interview with uh, Prince Andrew. And one notable thing that take a look at is that he quite often says, will answer a question with a framework of, well, you know, the funny thing is, and then start to give. And then uh, he'll use that, and he'll often use, well, if you see what I mean, and then give the story. Well, hang on, though. The funny thing, are you telling me this is going to be funny? And then I hear your story, and actually there's no humour In there so why do you need to inform me of the humorous content within this (laughs) or if you see what I mean which seems to me like like what what chase and I might call embedded instruction which is uh, I'm telling you to to understand this and align with me on this before you've even heard the detail before you've even heard the story I'm telling you that you will get this and and agree with me yeah
3: i'll answer your question but here first take this
1: filters and look at this (laughs) yeah yeah right absolutely now that look i don't know whether he is lying or not if he were in front of me i would probably I, i would be less journalistic than that interviewer and potentially more interrogatory and and dig a little bit deeper in some places but that's the kind of thing I, I I look out for in deception is what is the story you're trying to put around the story yes. to get me to accept your story?
2: You know what I hear all the time, it's kind of a pet peeve is to be honest. Oh, to be or honest, yeah. Not even gonna lie. Right. I'm gonna be Im- honest with Im- you, Jordan. Implying Pardon. that everything else that you had been telling me was a lie. So yeah. this
1: time, ta- this statement, you're going right. to be honest, though. Honestly, yeah. Real tot. How much is the car? Well, look, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why are you framing it? Just give me the number. Like, the number is fine. Give me the to number. Be, yeah, to be completely transparent. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 That's funny, guys. That's
2: that's a good one. So, like, what, let's, we were talking about TV earlier. Do you guys have... I, I know... Chase's Chase has watched like the 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 Bachelor for uh or Bachelorette or whatever to you know to study body language and human behavior. But do you guys do you guys have any other favorite reality TV shows that you study for uh, or, or enjoy at least looking at and or, or, or watching for for these purposes?
3: Yeah, I've got one of my students uh that introduced me to this and it is like it's a trashy show filled with like super trashy people. Oh, uh, but the body language is fantastic in the show. It's called Catfish, and it's a MTV show. If you're not familiar with it, where this they track down these people who's like this fifty-year-old uh, guy, like f- overweight dude, sitting in his underwear on a couch, pretending to be this 19-year-old girl on Instagram and like messaging people and like getting into online relationships. So they track these people down. <laughs> it is fascinating
1: mm-hmm so i i would i would go with with this uh often the reality shows for me some of them are are sc- almost scripted and and made to look like reality they're a lion in of themselves yeah and so and so i sometimes- always wonder that with these reality shows like i feel like sure.
2: I, i've been thinking more and more becoming more pessimistic about them over the past year like i'm like oh yeah that's fake for sure well, oh, they're continue. super
1: expensive to make so yes. why would you leave it up to reality to try and create entertainment yeah. when you when you've got when you got employable writers who can write scenarios and dramas and then just tell the people who are who are real people but they're good at performing um because often you'll look at it and you'll just go no you would never have that conversation in front of a camera no, never right exactly. you would actually go actually can you can you excuse us for a moment we've actually got something really important with the family to discuss now. So I I feel like this isn't appropriate. I agree. I feel
2: like, 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 (laughs) like, like, Hey, talk about this over here. Right. And that, and then they come over and film it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So, 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 you know, sometimes what you're watching there is, is, is the person a good actor or not? (laughs) Can they, can they deal with acting out this, this drama? What I'm interested in is what are those moments where people are in an actual drama right now real people in an actual drama right now and and one that's that's high stakes so um take a look at some of those some like america's got talent or something like that and those moments when somebody comes out in front of a large crowd and they can't handle it they or they can't handle the criticism or they and and you start to see uh, it, you know, and it's a bit like, you know, watching a a, a bedlam to an extent, it's a bit, yeah, bedlam was a Victorian madhouse that used to sell tickets that you could, you could, the public could go and watch, you know, mentally unstable people do mentally unstable stuff. Uh, and, and there are some shows which are essentially that you get to watch people who, who are not necessarily mentally unstable, but the the context is causing their body and mind to break down at a, at, a, at a point. And so you can see the body dissemble and the mind dissemble. <laughs> that stresses me out to do that. I have empathy <laughs> for those people. So
3: just watching that stuff makes me that I feel it in my body. Like even watching
1: the movie Meet the Parents or Meet the right. Fuckers, same thing for me. Right. Well, I mean, notice, you know, notice the kind of behaviors that you, that, that we might do if we've got a lot of empathy for that situation. Again, you can start to watch your own behavior in front of dramas like, like that. You know, can you, do you start to do the thing of like, you can't see me, so I'm not watching, but I kind of am, (laughs) or I totally can't watch this this is em- embarrassed this is shameful so you can you know some of these dramas can trigger um behaviors in you and you can watch your own behaviors and go okay so this is this is what shame <laughs> looks like this is what I- i'm pretending that i'm not here <laughs> and watching you this is what masking you know looks like mm-hmm
2: I'll share with you guys. Actually, uh, I am almost—I'm uh, pretty ashamed to admit this publicly—that I watch this show. But uh, I've been watching this show called Temptation Island. Have mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. You, you? You heard of it, Mark? Uh, I, I haven't, haven't heard. I haven't. No. So. So these four couples go to an island in like Fiji or something and you know they they're staying in these mansions and the the girlfriends and the boyfriends have to split up and they don't see each other for 30 days. Meanwhile at the at the girl's house there's like 20 guys trying to tempt them to leave the island with them and then they're uh, on, you know in the in the guys' house there's you know, twenty really hot girls trying to tempt the guys to, you know, leave their girlfriends and uh, or cheat on their girlfriends, and uh, and so it's really interesting to watch this play out over a month. And uh, I've just, I've definitely enjoyed watching it. And there's like, yeah, there's this one. There's this one blonde girl that, you know, that tempted one of the guys. By the way, they all end up caving. Uh, every, yeah, <laughs> every they've got to
3: have a casting director that's like, he's got a really cool list written by a behavior expert, like how to spot the lowest integrity human beings <laughs> That's what possible. they did.
2: That's what they did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Mark Wahlberg is the host of it, by the way. And and he's oh just... Oh my God. He's, ah, I, I, after watching that show, I don't know about him. And he calls it like a... A dating and relationships show he's like i host a dating relationship i'm like I'm like no you don't <laughs> you host like a a, a cheating like that's it's it's just weird it's not
1: the same but there's another one uh, out there called i think it's called naked and scared or something yeah like naked that. and afraid i saw and I, naked and I afraid that. okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's a great example of like how can you put two people under as much pressure as possible mm. get them cold tired hungry naked and and watch them fall to bits yeah. it's 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 an extraordinary uh, kind of car crash right uh, it's, I mean I'm, you know it's it's not that entertainment like this hasn't been around it's always been it's always uh it's always been around um, uh, but it's easy to watch now do you remember the
3: movie idiocracy no it's about how stupid and how our c- culture is devolving and it takes place in the future and this pro wrestler is the is the president and their country's just gone to shit? But there's a television show in this movie that everybody watches called Ow My Balls," where people just get kicked in the balls every day. That's the whole right. purpose of the show, and that's where we're headed. It looks like that's <laughs> where we're headed.
1: Well, listen, I'm I I think I think America's next president is probably Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm voting for uh I'm voting for
2: Antonio Brown that uh that 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 wide receiver that's just out of his mind. I'm I'm kidding, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I saw a uh it was it, it was like he tweeted it was just the stupidest thing ever. He he tweeted he, his tweets are really stupid and 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 you know what what he says I do not endorse. So so keep that in mind, but uh I just say that as a disclaimer, but he tweeted no more white woman with an WOMAN not not plural so singular yeah, no but... more white woman 2020 and then someone replied with like yeah you know, like like you know like an obama like hope sign but like changed it like put put like antonio brown's face on it and and instead of like hope it said no more white woman 2020 <laughs> <2020." laughs> so that's why i uh, that's why i bring uh, i bring up that i'm voting for antonio brown but I'm really not. But uh, I, I'm, I got a few more questions for you guys. Like, If you wanted to uh, make a great first impression on somebody, say, for example, a first date, what would you do? When I first started this podcast, I had no clue what I was doing, and it showed. This podcast was terrible in the beginning, so much so that when people tell me today that they listen to early episodes, I cringe because it was just that bad. But along the way, of course, I figured things out and started growing as I was going. But I wish I knew these things in the beginning. I could have saved so much time, money, and just sheer embarrassment. Now I'm solving for all of the unknown variables of podcasting for you with my brand new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. Oh, and by the way, it's completely free. In the course, I give away every single one of my secrets from marketing to building a business around your podcast and monetizing your podcast without ads. I put a ton of effort into this course over the past few months and it is extremely professional and this is something that people around me said I should be selling for 400 bucks, but I said no, I am giving this away for free. I couldn't think of something better to share with you. So, for free access to my new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster, you can go to jordanparis.com forward slash course. That's jordanparis.com forward slash course for free access to my brand new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. I look forward to seeing you in the course. Let's build a business around your podcast. If you wanted to uh, make a great first impression on somebody, say, for example, a first
1: date, what would you do? Well, I'm I'm past that now. What would I do? What would I advise others to do? Let's <laughs> let sure. uh, here's here's what I would think is you got to you got to do some intelligence work to find out what that person values, what is valuable to them, and 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 come displaying uh some kind of alignment with that that value with what is valued so alignment with values is going to work pretty well now what that is i don't know it, it would it would depend on the on the person mm-hmm. uh you know for example i i was brought up in in the uk in england i really value time it's kind of a cultural thing like being on time that's super important so um, so I judge you if you are late, yeah. you know, whoever you are, I judge you if, if you are late and depending on, on how in touch I am with my knowing that either unconsciously you get judged and there's nothing I can do about it, or I'm having to manage my judgment system and go, okay, uh, Jordan's late, uh, handle yourself, Mark, calm down. It doesn't mean anything by it. It's, <laughs> but if I'm not in the mood to do that, I'm, I've, I've judged you. Right. You know?
2: Yeah. So so being considerate uh, of the other person's values. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chase? I would say,
3: <clears throat> if I was to give you like some hard and fast rules, uh, number one, never move faster than you could if you were underwater. <laughs> number two. Uh, Why sorry, though? <laughs> Why? We just spent five minutes talking about how (laughs) speed and fear
2: are correlated. Okay, 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 got it. (laughs) (laughs)
3: All right, next. Never move faster than you could if you're underwater. Uh, Focus on being interested more than being interesting. And that'll, that'll put you light years ahead of most people.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And second... Ask questions about passions and inspirations. And like, well, what led you to do this? What was the what was the inspiration that, that caused this?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and get at the root cause. You can actually find out some of their values then.
3: Yeah. And that's how you kind of discover values. And from a nonverbal
2: behavior perspective,
3: uh, we want to display. I watched this really cool uh, TED Talk. This guy was talking about speaking with open hands. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark. Uh, <laughs> Mark something or rather, so, <laughs> not that, not that
1: good,
3: not that good. For I mean, for, for, this, this for this listeners open... that
2: don't get the inside joke, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's Mark's Mark, TED Talk. It's Mark's TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, which I highly recommend. I just got to see
3: Mark live uh, a week and a half ago here in Virginia Beach. It was fantastic. Jordan, you were supposed to come up here, but you had higher priorities than you <laughs>
2: <more>. <laughs> By my sincerest apologies, we will <laughs> make uh, it happen again.
3: A couple of the things that I teach our uh, intelligence community, and uh, granted, it's a five-day course, but some really cool things to spot during a conversation. If I see lip compression, I know there's probably something being withheld. If there's an opinion or something being withheld, I need to pay attention to what might have caused that. If I say Hillary Clinton and somebody goes, and they, they purse their lips together, that's a big deal. That, that might mean something. So I need to just pay attention to that and just mark it out. I'm not going to say, "Oh, this person voted such and such way or they hate this person, but it's it's noteworthy." Yes. That makes it noteworthy. Um, and finally, just try try your best to remove barriers. And that that includes your human self, like your arms between you and the other person. And that includes glasses on the table and stuff like that as well. Don't
2: don't cross your arms. Is, would that would you consider that a barrier? I would. Yeah, I, I would too. Glasses on the I mean, table. It, it,
1: you know, like anything else, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything until it does, and we don't know it could mean so many different things. But but what are they most likely going to default to that it means? They're most likely going to default that you're close to something, not that you're cold or you're making a decision. Often people make a decision uh, like there's all kinds of reasons why they cross their arms, but but people have been around enough and read enough internet articles or or been told you know they say well they say when you cross your arms people are closed they've heard enough of that that culturally now it's like that is oh yeah they weren't into you because they crossed their arms
3: and even worse than that uh something that mark talks about quite a bit in his books and in his live trainings that the person may not read that on a conscious level Yes, even worse, they'll read it on the unconscious the animal part of their brain will read that, and they won't even know that they read your crossed arms and they'll say not nah, something is off about this situation. I don't know what it because uh, you know my animal brain is incapable of speaking English to me, but all it does is give me a feeling that something's off or something's
2: not right, yeah, I was just gonna bring that up actually the the unconscious part of it the subconscious part of it it's uh yeah, that's a great point. Thank you for bringing that up, Chase. So let's talk about then on this date, we want to, I, I didn't mean to go with the, the date example, but we're going to continue. Yes, you that did. Because, because, no, because, the, <laughs> well, all right, let, let's talk about how we're going to develop rapport here. What's You're a, who, on a video chat with two body language experts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where,
2: where do we think it's going to go? What do we think the interest? are interested Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm trying to solve my own problems. No, you're not yeah.
1: kidding. <laughs> okay, so, uh, rapport. Yeah,
2: yeah. Rapport. Rapport. Sorry. Mark?
1: Yeah. I, I, so so first of all, so rapport is part of that process of influence and persuasion. Uh, I go back to, to where the word influence comes from. In flow, it means to almost be in the river with, to get to get to be in the stream with that person. So if we want to influence somebody, first of all, we want to be in the river with them. We want to be doing what they're doing. And that's the rapport part of it and it essentially means we're doing the same thing so i want to first of all on building rapport show them accepting body language as to whatever they are doing i mean you know within a a, a window of if they're doing you know stuff we're going to get arrested for it's illegal it's it's then you know there's obviously punishment and prizes around that kind of thing so uh, but but ultimately. The start of rapport doesn't have to be mirroring, you know, it doesn't have to be that. It can just be acceptance, showing acceptance for what they're doing. So as Chase was saying, you know, open body language, feeling open. I call it kind of warm body language as well. The kind of thing your body does in front of a warm fire on a cold day, lots of openness. Uh, for, for, for most of us, nodding of the head when you see behaviors that they're that they're doing uh open eyes you know not shielding yourself from the behaviors that certainly not things like disdain around around their behaviors the moment they see you know that around what they're doing they're gonna go oh yeah doesn't doesn't like me doesn't doesn't like me or my culture because disdain can be cultural as well. It's saying not only do I think you're doing the wrong thing, but all your people do the wrong thing as well. So rather than heading straight for mirroring, which is what a lot of people say, is like, oh, we will copy their behaviours. Yeah, well, that can just be really odd. <laughs> it can be very, very odd. Um, though, though, that's not. I'm not saying you can't do that. You just got to do that really well. You know, uh, just be be open, be accepting. Of what you see, and under no way show dis- disdain around what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm on board, Chase. Yeah, Mark's stuff is fabulous,
3: and if if I'll try to go a different direction here, uh, so from a tactical perspective, um, first ex- I go back to what I said: try more, try harder to be fascinated. Instead of fascinating. Right. And express naivete about something that they're really good at.
2: Mm, Tell me. Teach me more.
3: Yeah. Like, oh, that's always fascinating. I'm a complete amateur at that stuff. I don't know much about it. Yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, anybody. Like, if you ask me, I secretly read beekeeping magazines, and I've never kept bees in my life. But I do it all the time. Like, You do it, Chase? I know tons. I know everything there is to know about beekeeping, and I've never done it. (laughs) but like that's one of those things i could talk a lot about or if somebody said oh body language is so fascinating to me i would perk up i would be like Mm. oh really Mm. so next to that i I teach a class to women on how to spot narcissists and manipulators on the first date and to get them to come out to kind of reveal themselves secretly and one of the things I teach women to, to spot is that if I am if I'm a woman on a date and I say something that's really exciting, that should show on the other person's face. If, I, if I'm talking about how one of my relatives was just diagnosed with a terminal illness, that should show on the person's face to kind of reflect empathy. But we can do the reverse of that. So if they're, they're talking about something that's really exciting, our eyebrows can go up. You know, we can we can start to share that with our facial expressions as well. And just a couple more tactical pieces of this, like if somebody describes a vacation, they're gonna use three or four adjectives. They're gonna say, it was amazing. I had a great time, it was fabulous. And every, everybody there was just brilliant. Amazing, fabulous, brilliant. I'm going to feed those back later on in the conversation. And it's really important. Uh, one thing that I've never seen anywhere else is to identify pronouns of the person that you're speaking to. And typically, we, we focus on three, uh, which is self, team, and others. So if you ask somebody, well, what do you like about your new job? And they go, oh, it's great. My benefits are great. I've got my own parking space. I've got a corner office. And you know the, the boss treats me really well. Those are all me focus pronouns that for a team focus the person would say you know what do you like about your new job and they say well you know it's a great team there's a lot of great people that I work with the boss is really fantastic and everybody goes out on Thursdays and has has cocktails everybody gets along so it's really important to know how they speak and kind of we need to match that and I think if you're genuinely fascinated with the person that you've done it throughout your life automatically without knowing it because you know like we hear like when we go i'm from uh, originally from arkansas so when i go back home my accent is doesn't sound like this and i don't try to do that so i think we do it automatically a lot of times but we can make it something deliberate for where we we pay attention to the person and we start to speak like them not from a manipulative point of view but a desire to connect
1: Mm. i I think that's a that's 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 great because the, the the real point here is is we mirror anyway. Yeah. We do it really quickly to work out are you one of my gang or one of their gang? We mirror immediately to work out are we are we from the same land, the same people, you know, do we hold some of the same values? So that's going to happen anyway. What's great about what Chase is saying there is purposely how can you be more inquisitive more interested more consciously interested in other people because then you can speed up that process of of a good a great relationship or speed up the process of like this isn't gonna work this is you know I've tried really hard and there and and there is no there's no easy connection here and I can't speed up that connection it's just not gonna gonna happen you can make life better for yourself and everybody else by by this kind of not manipulation though it though it has aspects of manipulation it's just being consciously uh, um, more adept at being interested in other people
3: well I mean even psychotherapy is manipulation so of course but I mean going back to what, also what Mark said is that when he's talking about that open body language and having that welcoming body language that's not just affecting the person across the table that's affecting our own psychology as well
1: so i mean we move our bodies our bodies control what mm, our mind feels. right 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 yeah oh, when okay. i'm when i'm with a client one on one i do the behaviors of a good listener and i'm often sitting there going my god this is boring and and <laughs> yeah. oh, no they're into their story about oh it's interminable but i do the behaviors of an engaged listener and suddenly yeah. i'm like Actually, this is really interesting. That's a really and I'll go, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. And I'm now truly engaged. But I have to kind of trick myself into it. Yeah. Uh, so 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 often influence and persuasion is not just about them, it's about you influencing and persuading yourself to be the best example of you. It's not a mask that you're putting on. It's a set of behaviors that you're doing on purpose in order to be the best you, not to yeah. pretend to be a you that you're not. I mean, on the whole, you can't do anything that you're not capable of. Well said. So, you know, it's 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 there's no fake it till you make it. It's you. It's you deciding who you are at that at that event. Your your physiology controls your can control your psychology. So Absolutely. Like- and it's your psychology. It's not anybody else's. Yes. It's not making you into something that you're not. It's what you had. You're just amping up the volume on that aspect of your yeah. of your of yourself. I mean Chase has got some great stuff around around self and the construction of of somebody's, let's call it character, uh, for example. Um but we are multifaceted and sometimes, you know, a facet of us will will shine greater than another and and you're, you are capable of making facets of yourself shine, but they're not anything outside of you, it's all you. And you can choose to amplify certain elements of it in certain situ- situations. You know, when I go to work, for example, I'm super organized. Yeah. It's the rest of my life, sometimes not so much. Well, am I pretending to be super organized? No, I'm just absolutely being super organized. <laughs> it's, it's an a element decision. of me. It's a decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're you're using uh, this. I
2: mean, because this kind of leads into my next question. Like, you know, as far as a couple of cool tricks around persuasion and influence, you're talking about using this as a persuasion. You know, physiology to psychology as a as a piece of uh, persuasion and influence. Yeah. What else? What else, what else, as can far as used? Yeah, as far as persuasion. Well, when
1: it comes to persuasion, let me talk very quickly about sure. persuasion. Persuasion is medieval Latin for to move hard. So, in persuasion, I w- so there is influence, which is get into the river, get into the flow with them. If you get into the flow with them, you should come to a point where there are several avenues that that you can take together. And at that point, in persuasion, you can lay down. You can talk about the different avenues that can be taken. And at that point, uh, you could, if you wanted to stack the deck, you could make one of the avenues more, um, to more advantage to them knowing their value system knowing something about them their character you know do, uh, do they talk about the corner office that they have or do they talk about the team that they work with at that point I can go well we could go down this way right now I think you'll get a big, bigger corner office uh, or I go down this way right now I think you'll get to run a really big team and be part of a really big team well I, you know well i know which way they're most likely to go you know i i, I can predict the gamble a, a little bit so so that would be my my point on that I mean, it's philosophical more than tactical uh, maybe chase has got some kind of really tactical things around that
3: yeah i'm the i mean i specialize in the tactic side of everything so uh one great one that i've found throughout my whole life has dramatically changed conversations. I'll give you two that enhance persuasion to the degree that it's not a uh, like a sales pipeline to where I'm walking this person down and then I'm going to close them at the end. That's not how persuasion actually works. And most sales systems that that close 30, 48% of the time is not because of the system. It's because of the person that's that's using it is you could teach the same sales program to somebody with low-level social skills and they don't close deals. It's The the humans make the difference. So one thing, uh, so for any of your listeners, next time you're in an Uber or next time you're sitting next to a stranger on an airplane or wherever, if you're in the middle of a conversation, stop someone to agree with what they're saying and compliment them on how open they are. And once they – or you can ask them a question. And this goes back to Robert Cialdini's consistency principle. If you ask them a question like, how how are you this completely open with other people? Is that something you've always been or did you have to work on that when you were younger? And if they answer the question, they have agreed to behave differently for the rest of this conversation. Yeah. Wow. So that is a fantastic little tool that makes conversations uh, new because these people – if they're if they're being complimented on how open they are, they're more likely to be more open, which makes them reveal more, and that makes the conversation different than anything else, which makes it more memorable.
2: It's like skill solicitation. I could do that with with kindness too. I could replace openness with with, with kindness. You know, you if I wanted if I wanted someone to be really kind to me for the rest of the interaction. Yeah, yeah.
3: And another great. A trick that will help to kind of make the conversation is one of my goals in most conversations is to make it novel i want it to be new i want them to say wow this is different there's something different about this i don't know what it is but it's different and it's a, a technique i teach in intelligence circles called elicitation and this is basically getting information from a person without asking questions so when I teach, I uh, just got done teaching PSYOPs, Army Psychological Operations Command, uh, just three days ago. And this elicitation, it's a six-hour module, but it's basically I'm not asking questions, but I'm getting information. So think if I told you, Jordan, you need to go to Whole Foods today. Oh, I like Whole Foods. Yeah, and figure out how much the girl that's working in the produce department makes every hour. Okay. And you've got 30 seconds to do it. Oh, wow.
2: Wow, that's crazy.
3: So we tend to think about money and sex in westernized countries the same. Like it's taboo. We, I, we don't talk about our income. So it's hard if you walked up and be like, hey, uh, how much money do you make? The, well, number one, you're instantaneously judged. Yes. Number two, she's like, who the hell are you? Like why are you asking me this question? But if you go up and make a statement, the information comes out a lot easier than if you asked a question. So if you went up and say, hey, I just heard you guys got bumped up to uh, 17 dollars an hour. That's fantastic. That's really great. And she'll be like, what? No, we only make 1475. Mm. And the And inf- you get the information from a statement instead of a question and they volunteer it. So there's no asking of anything. So the more sensitive the information that you want out of a human, the less questions you should be asking. So it should be statements. So we trigger some human needs there. Like there's a human need to correct the record, which is what we just did to this this person. There's also a human need to uh, complain about stuff. So think if you were in an Uber and you was like, hey, uh, tell me how your company treats you. They'd be like, "Uh, it's okay. And then imagine if you were sitting in the Uber and you said, hey, I've just read an article that Uber treats their employees better than any other company in America and you guys get paid a whole lot. That's really great. And they're going to turn around and be like, what? (laughs) And then you'll go on all kinds of stories. And the secondary elicitation technique is called a provocative statement. I mean, there's 31 of these techniques, but this one's really great. It's anytime you can just make a statement that causes a response. And typically, these will start with so, or I bet. So let's say the Uber driver comes back and be like, "Man, I bet you've got some crazy stories about stuff that's gone on in this car." And that was there was no question but you're getting information.
2: Absolutely. My friends, I cannot stress enough. You got to go to truthplane.com for Mark Bowden's books and his social uh, his social channels there that you can find, uh, he's very active on LinkedIn. That's uh, I think that's how, yeah, it's how we met. Yep, Mark and I back in early part of 2019. Very active on LinkedIn. Uh, get his books, Truth and Lies and Winning Body Language. Chase, got to go to chasehughes.com for all his social channels there. I actually, I met Chase through LinkedIn as well. He's uh, relatively active on there and uh, uh, his book, the ellipsis manual analysis and analysis and engineering of human behavior. I started reading it exactly 12 months ago. And, uh, and that book was one of my favorites. So, uh, gentlemen, I really thank the, the both of you for spending so much time with me today, even with the, the technical difficulties. I, I greatly appreciate you. This has been really fun.
1: That was great. It's always great hanging out with you. I love hanging out with, with chase. Any opportunity for that's always uh, good for me. So this has been great fun. Yeah, great, great fun.
2: Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.